Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of Front Porch Philosophy. Wow, episode 4 already. 4, I know. Not a huge number, but larger than 2. Yes, it is larger than 2. And I can't believe we're not actually still doing this, so that's good, I guess. Mm-hmm. So here it is, and this is episode 4, and it... Uh, well, let's see, maybe we'll get one other in before you go to... Maybe. Maybe. It will be tough. It will be tough, because you're going to be busy, so... Uh, Garrett will be going back to college it's very right. soon. Not that he has to be back for classes yet, but he wants to go have fun in the house <laughs> that they're renting, I guess is what well, you're going to do. More than just have fun. Take advantage of the fact that I paid. I pay rent starting August 1st, so I'd like to be living there August 1st. Wait you know? a second. Who pays rent? Sorry. Okay. Anyway, so you want to go. So I should be going <laughs> on August 1st to you get should. 19 days of my rent without you there. You should. And then you, know you Maybe that would, be, that would be fun. I think all of my other roommates would like that if it was you instead of me. What about you and me? Maybe we could just do well, front porch philosophy work. with them. Uh, we do have a front porch, so okay. uh, as we discussed before, you might come and come and pop by sometime for a for a little. I did say that, but front uh, porch. Uh, the we'll likelihood see. that you come all the way maybe, down to Oakland. Maybe though. I'll be down there. To, maybe Certainly more likely that I come back here, though. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'd like to do one from there and, and have the the fellows, as it were, right. join in. But before we really get into it, never fear. We hope to continue this while I'm away. Uh, we'll just do it from our own front porches. So Correct. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try and work this out. But as you were leaving, you had mentioned, uh, and as you're getting ready to leave, you had mentioned to me that if I had any words of wisdom yes. for, for, for students like you going back to school, and of course, I, I, my initial reaction was, no, not really. Mm-hmm. But That was what you said. Yes. But I did stumble upon this thing by C.S. Lewis that I that I thought was uh, was good and maybe a good way to start. So I know we don't no- normally read things here, but I will um, I will go ahead and, and read this. So it's C.S. Lewis on living in the atomic age. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply. Why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year or as you would have lived in the Viking Age, when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat at, at any night, or indeed, as you already living in the age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railroad ac- railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love are already sentenced to death from the atomic bomb before the atomic bomb was invented, and quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics. But we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. 
but they need not dominate our minds. That last line was my favorite. Good. Well, I just think is to to me the what occurs to me is that a lot's being made of what's going on, and I, I hear people say all the time, "We've never been anything through anything like this before," and this just made me think that we have been through things, and you know what? Everybody was scared of the atomic bomb. We still have atomic bombs. We're just not scared of them now. Why is that? And I think it's partially because we're not being told to be scared of them now. Right. When back when they first started, we were told to be scared of them. And so I guess my word of wisdom would be to take this to heart and think about it. But also, the one thing I would hope for you and for everybody that's that's going back to school or doing things is like, especially in this world, be daring enough to think for yourself. They need not dominate our minds. Right. So think for yourself. And that, that brings me to um, somebody else that I, I think, you know, maybe we can talk about a little bit tonight. And that's, you know, one of my favorites, which is uh, Bunkminster Fuller, or Bucky as he wanted everyone to call him, I guess. And that's one of the things that he said was to, um, to think for yourself, be bold enough to think for yourself. And uh, I've always thought that's cool. And he definitely was somebody who thought and spoke um, from what he thought was true. Yes, he did. And uh, one of the things that he said, which I think is, and I'm a little distracted because uh, your mom and my wife has decided that now's the time she's going to trim bushes. Yes. So um, that's kind of interesting. But, uh, well, you never know. You're on the front porch. That's right. You That's never right. know what's going to happen on the front porch. So one of the things, Garrett, I was going to ask you what you thought he might meant is uh, Bunkmaster Fuller once said that, uh, that we are weightless. And I was listening to something of his the other day, and I'm like, what? What does he, what does he mean by that? And part of what he was saying is that, you know, he said when scientists, like we all think that that we are our bodies and like what we eat and the food and this this you physical, are what you eat right this physical right this physical body but he said the thing like when we die there's n- there's no loss of weight of weight so the us that we think is us which is not just this physical body is weightless and like whoa what does that mean if you're like that well first of all with that i'm glad that this was something that you gave me a heads up about and i was able to watch the fuller video for myself in which he says that because when you originally present a statement like we are weightless some that is something that you don't think very often and i think some people might miss might misconstrue it as we have no impact, which is almost the exact opposite of that. Um, it's not that you don't hold any weight in the world. It's that mm-hmm. whatever you are has no physical weight. It's something beyond the confines of the physical as defined by science. He talks a lot about that in the video. He's like, science would define something physical as something with weight. And... That isn't there. Yeah, because when you're, yeah, there's nothing. So, so to, yeah, because if you're, if you're, if there was something about life that was physical, when you died and life went away, 
there would be a decrease in weight. Yes. So. And maybe, perhaps, you could argue that the weight is so infinitesimally small that we have no way of measuring that, but that simply doesn't feel like the case to me. Yeah, when you're living, you think that your life is the most heaviest part of you. Yeah, you I think guess. that life is heavy. Yes. Um, and you know that uh, this doesn't really have that much, but I, I think maybe you could rethink of saying, like, people die. You know, like, if it was like, George is dead, like, his, his body isn't moving anymore, but what's going on with the, yeah, with I mean, what you thought was George, you know, the George you conversed with, yes. the George who shared his thoughts with you kind of thing. What, what has happened to that George? That's the weightless part. Yeah. And what's that? Like they're in a, like, so the machine has stopped working. I think Buckminster Fuller says something like, we, we are using, well, this, when he recorded it, it was a while ago, but he would say, we are using the telephone, but we are not the telephone. Yes. So, it's like, to use your thing, well, this person that I knew, there, we talked about it last, last time a little bit, this vessel, or this thing that, this process or physical machine which housed them is no longer in motion mm-hmm. but so therefore I can't I can't find them is that yeah I don't know. like are they are you missing right are you just you're not you don't have You've... your you you're not in that body anymore I would say perhaps you're in a place that is imperceivable to those whose bodies still work, maybe. Maybe that's, if we want to, if we don't want to dive too far into like what we might personally think happens in the afterlife, like it, right, could be like. Yeah, I don't know. I think what to me what I think was important what he said is like, and what I've been thinking about since I heard that is, he said life is not physical, life is metaphysical. And if you start to think about life being metaphysical it just opens up a lot more possibilities to me I would agree because to me we were talking about you know last time about was it last time well we talked about agape that was episode two episode two, two times two. ago two times ago we talked we have about so many agape episodes we're getting confused and this the you know kind of a spirit that runs through people and like wow like so if life is metaphysical then maybe we're all connected at levels that we don't know because if it if the life part is is not a physical thing he talks a lot about animate and inanimate yes things and how in the past you know we always talked about like a something that moved was was animate and like a stone was inanimate yes but and you probably know more about this than i do but as people have broke things down to the molecular level and he talked about viruses and those things like there is everything that's physical is really inanimate. Yeah, you would, like, if you think about, let's say, something that everybody knows, the mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell. 
Ooh, right? Okay. That's what that's what you're taught it is. Okay. Right? You wouldn't consider that an animate object, at least I wouldn't. Right? It doesn't think, feel, have emotion or right. anything like that, but it is can it is when you break down life and why I'm breathing right now, it is the arguably the key reason as to why I am doing that thing. Why I'm capable of doing doing that, and it's not it would not be considered an animate thing, and that's why I think we were watching a video. What was it? What was it called? I can't remember what it was actually called. The Ian McGilchrist. I can't remember the divided mind. Okay, yes. Or something. It was yes. it was this video, and in it now the divided mind is something that we certainly can get into in a later episode because it's a very interesting concept. But he was talking to a member of the Blackfoot Nation, which is a Native American people, and this guy who belonged to the Blackfoots was saying that in their language, they have no word for inanimate. There is nothing that would... Like, there's no there's no difference between living and non-living, like we distinguish, like, ourselves from a stone or anything like that. There's no There's no word for that. They simply can't describe that distinction because... What they're about is just being so connected with everything. Whether it's, as we would say, animate or inanimate, it didn't really matter because we are deeply connected to inanimate things. Mm-hmm. They're what, For example, our body. Yeah. <laughs> they are what run us. I mean, even if you're thinking about thoughts, right? They're, uh, w- when you boil them down like that, like where do thoughts come from really? And that's a, they're perhaps weightless as well, but... Like the electrical signals in your brain aren't animate things, but they're the reason that we're sitting here and are able to have a discussion right now. And so that really deep connectedness to the inanimate, I think definitely makes it very easy to see why a people would not have a word for inanimate because that distinction is almost for me at least, useless. Like, why distinguish between the two if they so heavily rely on one another? Because, I mean, perhaps we could exist without this, the physical that we exist in right now, but we don't really know what that would be like while we're existing in it, so. Yeah, I think, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The stuff that just blows my mind, I don't, because, you know, people like Jordan Peterson would say, that we know very little about what consciousness is and how it works, how it comes about. And we know that from, again, with some of your, you know, kind of science background from being, you know, when you get operated, an anesthesiologist, like, they don't know how it works. No, anesthesia is a terrifying thing. Right. They simply don't know what happens. They know it doesn't kill you. And they know that you can't feel anything anymore, but they don't know where you go because if anyone listening has ever had a surgery, and I know I have where you've gone under, you have too, it's not sleep. It's not what it is. It's Because it's instantaneous. Right. It's eyes closed open again, and it's been however long you've been out. And there's no dreaming. No, there's nothing. It's darkness for... There's Mil- not even, it's, it's not even darkness. Because your eyes just, you don't, re- I don't remember my eyes closing all the way. Right. I remember they put the mask on and they tell you to breathe deeply, count yes. backwards from 10. Yes. And then. Your eyes, you notice your eyes starting to, to close. Shut. 
But before they shut all the way. Before there's darkness, there's light again. Right. Because just, you're open. You're open. There's no... Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't know what that is. And I don't think many... We, there's so many mysteries, and I think it's something that remains a mystery. So I think Bunkminster's on to something when he says that life is, like, life itself is metaphysical. And that's, that's exciting to me in some way because it makes me feel, in a way, attached to my body, but in a way not. And maybe capable of of doing things like thinking for myself because I have part of this mystery in me. I think that's another mm-hmm. thing he says is, um, and this is why, you know, when we talk about, you know, what I would hope for, you know, like your generation and, and, and Kira's generation and others is like have some of these kind of discussions and thoughts and like change of a of of a heart and mind paradigm because I think it's really needed especially in these times I think it is and I think that we've lost those thoughts and stuff and I always I gravitate towards uh, Romans 12 2 which the second half of it says be renewed by the transform or yeah, be renewed by the transforming of your mind. Or be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay, yes. Is the order in which it goes. Ooh, okay. Somebody's walking. Yeah. And so Bentley dog, is the, excited about it. The, the dog is barking. But I think that's I think that's so important and it's not a it's not a temporary renewal. It's a constant renewal of again and again like remembering that you are you are weightless. And everything like that. Well, I think it's just, it's cool to, to just think that you're not your, you're, you're not limited, I think. When I think of that, I think, well, I'm not limited to this body and what I think of myself. Yes. It's just like, wait a second, if, if life is really like, is metaphysical, I have a part of that mystery in me. And what he says is you have a obligation to share that part of the mystery, which is a combination of the mystery of life and the workings of your physical body. The combination of those things that then are impacted by your society and your parents and all those sort of things, that's the the mystery that you then need to share with others or find a way to share yeah, it. And I think that that thought makes life even more precious and meaningful, in my opinion. Some people might think the opposite. Some people might think that thinking of the life part as less physical and more metaphysical takes away from the physical experience, but I, I think that's I think that's wrong. I think it adds to it. It makes it all that more important to really use the life that you have, use the little bit of the the mystery that you have to the best of your ability because that might be something that lasts forever because we know the physical deteriorates, but what happens to the spirit? We 
how can something that's weightless deteriorate right. if there's nothing about it? Right. So I think that, yes, so I think it gives hope that there's, uh, hope might not be the right word, it, it makes me think that, yes, there's something important about a, a human being that is in a physical body instilled with some of this life. But maybe we shouldn't be as scared about lo- like losing the physical body because the life goes on. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean while we have the physical body, that's the time we can do things on, as Bunk Mr. Fuller would say, on this spaceship Earth. So while I'm in this body, while I have this life in this body, we can participate on here. this spaceship. I need to participate in this place that I have been put. It is. It's really It's really about balancing the physical and the metaphysical. Because if you, again, like we were talking about in the, in the first episode, when we were talking about two, if you go one way too far, then things kind of fall apart. And you, like, remembering that you're physical and that the physical body is the only way that you can transmit this metaphysical part of yourself out into the the physical world that you experience is a really important is a really important part of it yeah i i think so i think like when i bump the fact of or thinking that life is metaphysical and bump that up against his notion of spaceship earth it's so fascinating to me because looking out over the front porch and seeing the clouds and seeing the sun clips, as Monkminster would say, mm-hmm. thinking like that we're on, or realizing that we're we're basically on this globe that's circling the sun while it's rotating, just rocketing through space. space. You don't think of that. No, you don't. I think I'm sitting on the porch, and it's, it, you you think of the Earth as a flat place. You do. In a, because that's what I how I'm living. And Bunkminster would say, and I know I've, I've talked this to you, and people think I'm crazy, but he would say the truth is it's a sun clips, not a sun sets, because the sun isn't moving. We are. We are. He would also say that because we're on a sphere, the spaceship, you, you should be talking about you shouldn't be talking about going upstairs and downstairs. It's in or out. You're going out stairs or in or in stairs. stairs. Which that one's tougher for me to wrap my head around than the sun clips part. It is, but he also says, and I, I would encourage people to, uh, you know, maybe, you know, find some Monk Mister Fuller videos and, and listen to them. It's because uh, they're really fascinating when he talks about that stuff. But his main point of that is we speak words that are from 500 years ago when we know the truth is different. So he dares us to say, try, just as an individual, try speaking that way, like live in that truth for a week and see what it does to you. Yeah, use the, use the correct, technically the correct word. Right, use the truth. Yeah. And speak the truth and use those words and see what that does to you rather than playing this game that it seems like we're playing 
and you know others have talked about that jordan peterson etc like it's like don't participate in the lie because as much as you don't think of it as a lie it is it is a lie it is a lie the sun does not set the sun no, does it doesn't. not rise <laughs> no it does neither of those things and you think it's like oh it's a it's a harmless lie it's just easier to understand and it it <laughs> i i think because depending all, on the I rotation don't think and depending on the rotation of the earth and where i am right now if i say i'm going upstairs i i might not be going up yes you very well could be going down yes so it is in and out yeah and so it's just i go like you know my mind's blown but what's your mind what's funny is your mind's blown by the truth mhm it's because we, we a don't, more true statement yes, that way we don't we just don't see it enough and people are like oh there's it was a harmless lie i don't think there is such a thing right and once you once you start to do that then you'll you know then you you just start to to participate I'll put it this way. For me, it's been hard because once I know it, then if you really want to be authentic and real and speak the truth, you almost have to say sun clips. You're obligated to say it now. Outstairs, in stairs, because when I hear the other, I know that it's not true. And then I, if I say it, then I'm just playing a game. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of what we do in life is play the game that gets us where we think we want to be from a social perspective Mm -hmm. and i think it's i think it's interesting because this is this is bringing me back to last or yeah episode two and everything and when we talked about the difference between the individual and then and like we are and then episode three where we talked about the impact that people have on you and everything like that. And I think it's it's tough, the notion of thinking for yourself because of what we explained earlier in that you, whatever you are, like this metaphysical part of you is heavily influenced. As a matter of fact, maybe solely made up of experiences that you have had with other people, the parts of their mystery that they've given to you. Okay. Right? But what you, if you just listen to yourself, I think it puts it together well. Like, I don't know where Fuller got this idea of a sun clips, sun clips, whatever, but it was probably just from looking out at it. And Well, I think what he said is, he stopped talking for a while because he knew that he was caught in this game of cliches and he had to stop talking so that he could look around him, observe, and then find out for himself. So I guess the way the sun clips thing may have worked is he thought, wait a second, we're on a planet that's spinning, not the sun, Everybody keeps saying sunset, but that's not really what's happening. That's kind of thinking for yourself. That doesn't, and I think it, it becomes whoever you are just observing the world and what you see and what you hear and what you read and then authentically expressing 
the truth as you see it could be not just playing the game of hey how are you doing i'm fine yeah could or, that could be argued as being the you that or when i say to for. you how'd you sleep last night you go okay <laughs> yeah right yeah and maybe i shouldn't ask that but i do i actually authentically want to know how you slept because you keep track of your yes. your sleep quality i do so it's not just a how'd you sleep i really do want to know but i feel sometimes I just get a it's okay you do you do quite often I'll be I'll be honest with you I'm not always telling you so the you're truth being when it comes to that. I'm being honest, honest with you now, now but right. most of the time I'll just say something and, easy and maybe it's not being honest it's just being I'm I'll be authentic with you yes is maybe a, a better saying I don't know yeah or I I mean even more than honest I I do think that like we were saying before, just tell the truth. And it's the the truth that you've discovered. Maybe it's that. Yeah. So one other thought with this that I... This just occurred to me today because I have read some Bunkmaster Fuller and listened to some things and I like his quotes. But after... I had never put these two things together, but... When he was saying that life is, that we are weightless, life is metaphysical. But then in another thing that I've read from him, not in the the thing that you listen to, he would say that love is metaphysical gravity. So if life is metaphysical and love is metaphysical gravity, what does that mean to you? Well... In order for something to, in order for physical gravity to work, something has to have mass, right? So, love would be gravity without any mass involved. So it would just be a pull, is all it is, because that would, taking out the mass part of gravity, Okay. I mean, of course, if the equation wouldn't work, but that's not the point. He's looking for some comparison as to what love is, mm-hmm. because... And physical gravity mass is a vital component, but perhaps there is something in the metaphysical that serves as that mass. I don't I don't know. Or is it that is gravity the thing that holds the physical to together. together. It does. So love so, holds. So if so, if gravity holds the physical together, is it love that holds the metaphysical together? That would make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it like that, that would that would make a lot so of sense. So if you have this thing that I don't even know if it's a thing, if you have this process that's a life, that's metaphysical, and it's love is the gravity that holds all that together life together keeps it all from just flying apart in every different direction with no direction oh cool it gives it it gives it some direction because if not everything would be just shooting about and and it also even though you know, life is metaphysical, is, and I'm not an expert on gravity, 
but doesn't gravity does it require requires mass but also requires another object right like it has to be two objects well yeah it, it would just be I mean there would be no need for gra- there would be no need for gravity if there was only one object so coming all the way back to our first one yeah like there has to be two if there's so even though life is metaphysical it's also not just a great oneness mm-hmm. it's broken up in metaphysical maybe like parts is a hard word yeah. because that's a physical thing but it's held it's held together this thing called life that's metaphysical is held together by this force called love. love so maybe this force called life is held together with this force called love, love. yeah that sounds pretty good to me yeah it kind of does it does but i don't know what that means to me no yeah what is that i well i was thinking so i said it it gives it it allows life to have direction maybe you know like if if there wasn't any love or metaphysical gravity as we're calling it now things would fly off wherever with no no clear path there'd be nothing else with them they just go at totally random but that isn't how life works life a lot of what people decide is based on the things or the people that they love but it also makes me you you mentioned things it reminds me of kind of what we talked about last week a little bit if if life is metaphysical and love is the metaphysical gravity but if i spend my whole life chasing after something that isn't inanimate inanimate physical something something that doesn't have that metaphysical property to it like money per se per se right or cars or whatever it is anything on this it just makes me see that anything on this planet if i'm chasing what is inanimate I'm doing it maybe at the expense of the things that are life producing and eternal mm-hmm. in a way because if 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 when I die there's no weight loss and so that thing doesn't lose anything then my life in essence still exists yeah I, uh, yeah <laughs> so why worry about chasing these other things instead why not I don't know maybe there's something here about focusing on the love and that's what we we're talking about with agape focusing on the love that helps improve the metaphysical thing that's called life for others yeah and i think i think the notion of love as metaphysical gravity also lends itself to two things first of all could can you love something that doesn't have a metaphysical aspect to it like would the word love even be applicable to like like you like if you said like you love a car or something like is that really even applicable at that point because 
I think you're applying a, and to go to what Bucky said, you're applying a, a metaphysical concept onto a physical thing, just yes. like we do with life. Yes. And I think it does another thing where we were talking about there has to be two things, right? So you can have, like we always preach this self-love kind of thing, right? But if love is metaphysical gravity, then it requires two things in order to function. Mm-hmm. So it has to, I think it ha- it ha- you have to go beyond self-love. Well, that's why I think it says love your neighbor as yourself. It's like you first have to have this love in you and an affirmation of who you are and a notion of the concept of love before you can extend it to others. Yes. I, yes. I think that's, to me, if, if you understand that those things are processes and that they're beyond the physical, in some ways it makes it a little easier. A little bit. I think Maybe. so, yes. Maybe. So, to circle back to the C.S. Lewis at the very beginning, maybe if each of us can think that life is metaphysical, love is metaphysical gravity, we are in fact weightless and we aren't our bodies per se, maybe all this stuff that we're scared of isn't as important no and it's not that there's still not frightful not that i want to get sick or have an or atomic, get anybody else sick or have an atomic bomb drop or on kill our, anybody else with an atomic bomb not that i want any of that but to live in fear of the physical body going away and there's all kinds of places we could take this, but according to Bunkminster Fuller, maybe if you think of life the way that he was thinking about it, that if life is not physical, then we're all kind of inherently immortal in some ways. In some ways, yes. And I think the... the I At think, least that spark is. Yes, that spark in you that people call life. Yes. May very well be. That spark or mystery or all those things. So I hope you kind of take heart in that, that they may dominate. They may, what, what is he, it's the. He said the thoughts should not dominate our minds. Yeah, they may, they should not dominate our minds, but they may control our bodies. They should not dominate our, our minds. minds. And. He doesn't say anything about resisting the control of your body, right? Like, you can or whatever, but he recognizes that that's necessary, that that will happen. But don't let it dominate your mind. Yeah, don't don't just be huddled up. Like, I think the sense I got from the C.S. Lewis quote was life... Our time in the body with our life is precious. 
that's not wasted, huddled in fear of the life of the body going away. Yeah. That's what it and seems Because, to yeah, me. when C.S. Lewis refers to the mind, I highly doubt he's referring to the actual brain in your head. He knows what he's referring to. And I would think so. I, it's not that. I would say it's the, the medical, metaphysical life that we're, that we're talking about here. I, I guess. I would think. I'm, I'm equating it with yeah, that anyway. I'm not speak. I'm not C.S. Lewis. We aren't right. C.S. Lewis, but. But you're equating it to that. I'm saying. And I that, would agree with equating. I would it say to that. that that's what he's talking about when he says they need not dominate our minds. So, I have enjoyed this. Little chat, I know at times there were dogs barking. It was a busy night. It was a busy night, and actually it was like 9.30 at night on a busy night. It was a busy, it was certainly night. Um, But that's all part of being out on the front porch. We can have these these deep discussions about the metaphysicality of life and love. And listening to dogs barking at the same time. And listening to dogs barking at the same time. So... Thank you all for listening again. We very much enjoyed talking. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, or maybe a story about a time you felt life was metaphysical or you felt <laughs> love is metaphysical gravity, oh then God. you can email us at frontporchphilosophy1 at gmail.com. We've got an email already. Uh, we did get one email. So thank you, emailer. You yes. know who you are. Yes. Um, we very much appreciated the kind words. So and if you know if anybody would like to come on come on the show let us know or have something that you'd like for us to talk about absolutely that would be good as well we're always open to new ideas yes we are so thank you again for listening see you later peace out